The morning's message, we're shifting gears and we're talking about conversations with Jesus and this morning's message has to do with doubting Thomas. Uh, the story this morning starts off with a proclamation of Mary um, just after she sees Jesus and she comes out and uh, she goes and tells the disciples, um, I have seen the Lord, right? And there's this, all this passion, all this excitement and uh, she declares, she proclaims to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I don't know if that's you or if you've had that experience where it's like you're just running a million miles a minute and you go and tell everybody. But the truth is not everybody is excited and not everybody believes, Right? Even the disciples who journeyed with Jesus, you know, they're, they're, the next text that we look into in uh, John chapter 20, it says this, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among the Jews, or stood among the disciples. And he said this, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You have this text where first Mary goes and shares with the disciples, but they don't believe it. They're not excited. And, and do you ever have that, that, that passion that just kind of drains away as you share with this person or you share with this person or you share with fam family or friends. Then Jesus shows up to the disciples. And he says a couple different things to them. But they're still locked behind closed doors because of the fear of the Jews. We have the first encounter with Mary. We have the second encounter with the disciples. Somewhere Thomas was missing, and so we go into the next dialogue with Thomas. And it says this, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. So this is kind of the crux, right? I will not believe it. The crux is, unless I see or unless I inspect or unless I feel, I ain't going to believe this, right? You see the, the, the passion of Mary. I have seen the Lord. You now see the passion of the disciples. But you know what? They're still locked away in their, in their upper room, right? Really what Thomas does is he says what you and I feel. What Thomas says is he says the same thing that the disciples are acting out. Because they're not going out. In fact, when Jesus shows up and Thomas isn't there, it's a big deal and a big miss for Thomas. Because not only does he miss Jesus' presence, and by the way, he misses Jesus' proof, his hand and his side, right? But he obviously misses Jesus' power because Jesus walks through locked doors, right? And he misses Jesus' purpose, right? As the Father has sent me, I now send you. And the other thing that he misses is Jesus' peace, right? Right? And you can see that energy when we try and share Jesus with others drain away because we have seen the Lord, but maybe they don't want to believe. So this morning, we have this seesaw of doubt and trust. And we all wrestle with doubt and trust in our lives. 
And things that are close to us, things that are close to us that may affect our doubt and trust, maybe it's family, right? I'll trust you unless you touch my family or if something goes wrong with my family. Or maybe it's my future that creates a lot of anxiety, right? If you just then, in fact, I call it if-then faith. Because God, if you, or Jesus, if you just do this then, I'll believe. Just like Thomas. Unless I see, is that fair? Or is this just me? <laughs> politics, right? Like, did nobody here have any anxiety over the politics this last couple years, right? Uh, our job is very close to us, and so is our home. You know, don't, 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 don't touch my home. Whoop. Don't touch my home. Don't touch my home. Or my job, right? Um, another one is, uh, just to be honest, is money. We may not want to admit that. Money is something that's very close to home for us, and, uh, and so is our health, right? When health starts having, we start having this if-then faith, right? And, and the influencing factors, the influencing factors in this tend to be our experience, Right? For Thomas, it was, um, I saw him die, right? So experience tells me something other than what you're trying to tell me, Jeff, right? Or maybe it's not experience. Maybe it's, I heard this on the news. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be fact, but I mean, it's, it may be only opinion, but I, it's, still, it's still influencing me, right? It's influencing factors in my faith that make it an if-then faith, right? That are affecting my money, my health, my family, politics. What about this? Is there a gain? And with gain comes loss, right? So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm losing, then certainly with an if-then faith, we can go like this. Unless I see the nail marks, unless I feel, unless I inspect, right? This is, he just shares what we oftentimes feel, Right? What about, uh, we can do these hand in hand, info and facts. This swear faith to doubt and to trust. To doubt and to trust. And really the big question is here is, what do you be- believe about Jesus? I took a, um, a study on this and um, just wrote down um, in this material that we teach from now. Uh, different comments that you can find about who people believe Jesus to be. Uh, there's millions out there, billions. But it says Jesus is real in the sense that he exists for those who want him to exist. I don't know if that resonates with you. Maybe it does. So who was Jesus? A highly moral person, much like Teresa of Calcutta? No less, no more. Jesus was a man we should pity more than revile or worship. He suffered from the, what contemporary psychologists now know to be delusions of grandeur, bipolar disorder, and probably acute schizophrenia. Right? And maybe this is something down deep inside where he's like, I, I, I wonder about that. Or I now encounter that because somebody else has a different opinion. Or somebody said that they have facts about this. Who was Jesus? An apocalyptic prophet who bet wrong and died as a result. He should be ignored, not celebrated. 
obviously in this room we may have different opinions. But maybe we're not willing to share something that's down deeper inside because sometimes when we have an if-then faith, if what matters to us is affected, we tend to slide. And we just slide, right? In fact, one of the things that, one of the notes for this morning is doubt, doubt not dealt with, doubt not dealt with, doubt not dealt with leads to disbelief. And disbelief can lead to fear. And fear can lead to locking ourselves away, as in the case of the disciples, locked away in the upper room. They knew that Jesus had already appeared to Mary. They had already had Jesus appear, but still they're locked away. And Thomas, unless I see, unless I feel, unless I inspect, I mean, that's who we are. That's what we long for, the proof, right? Show me the proof. And you know what's so great about Jesus? Is that the quickest way to my faith is through my fear. My fear about what could happen to what's closest to me, what matters most to me. The quickest way to my fear, or the quickest way to my faith, is through my fear. And Jesus enters there. Right? Jesus enters there. If I were to have a conversation with Jesus, and I'm just struggling with the if-then faith, and I'm just in a doubt... Leading to disbelief, right? And Jesus would come to me and say, Jeff, here's the truth. I have risen. And I might say, well, here's my reality, Jesus. I just struggle to believe that. Science doesn't support that. And Jesus would say, well, Jeff, here's the truth. I have appeared to you. I have appeared to you so many different ways. And I might say, you know what, Jesus? I'm just struggling to see that. That's my reality. Jeff, here's the truth. I've already sent you. Here's my reality. I just just don't want to go. I just don't want to go. Here's the truth, Jeff. I have given you my peace. Here's my reality. I just don't. I just don't feel it, right? But the quickest way to my faith is through my fear, and Jesus enters there. Now, I don't know about you sitting here or online, deep inside your heart, what is your unless? What is your if and then? What is it that causes you to say, unless I see, unless I feel, unless I inspect, I need the proof, I need more of it. How much will satisfy what's missing here, right? When I first started ministry, I had a, a phone call, and uh, I was invited to go speak on a board and, and have questions come to not only myself, but a number of other faith leaders in the community of differing religions. And I was very excited about it until somebody had told me, you know what, Jeff, I know that you think this might be a good thing, but you need to be aware of something before you step onto that platform. I said, well, what's that? And he said, even though you're going to be speaking in a church, it doesn't mean that they're going to support biblical Christianity. I was really surprised. I was shocked. In a church? You need to be aware. They continue to share. 
that they will try to undermine biblical Christianity, the hope that you have in the gospel, and to make possibly Christianity be seen as something archaic, um, as if we're still in the caves, with, that we're not in, in tune with what's really going on with discoveries and science in the world. That led me to a huge, dis, um, a huge journey of just reading and research and more reading and research and, and, and writing and more materials, opposing views and supporting views. And, and as a result, um, <clears throat> we, as a youth ministry, we go through what we call the Ignite Retreat. And that's just, it's a, it's a, it's a retreat where we go through all this material about whether it's scripture or science, whether it's about tough philosophical questions, whether it's about um, the, the coming of Jesus. All this we pack into here because as we have students move on from the youth ministry, we want them to know that there is hope in the gospel and that it is true. There's some uh, quotes that we came up with that we can go ahead and look at up above Only in a world where faith is difficult can faith exist. Here's the next one. Only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, it will bring you closer to God. To say that science is the only begetter of truth is self-contradictory because that statement in itself cannot be tested by the scientific method. It's a self-defeating philosophical assumption. If there is no God, why is there so much good? And if there is a God, why is there so much evil? How can a mere finite human be sure that infinite wisdom would not tolerate certain short-range evils in order for more long-range goods that we couldn't foresee? William Lane Craig, researcher professor at Talbot School of Theology, says this, If God does not exist, then life is futile. If the God of the Bible does exist, then life is meaningful. Only the second of these two alternatives enables us to live happily and consistently. Therefore, it seems to me that even if the evidence for these two options were absolutely equal, a rational person ought to choose biblical Christianity. It seems to me positively irrational to prefer death, futility, and destruction to life meaningfulness, and happiness. As Blaise Pascal said, we have nothing to lose in infinity to gain. And in this conversation with Jesus, as my doubt and trust go back and forth, it's almost as if Jesus would whisper to me and say, hey Jeff, stop living as if I were bound by soldiers. Stop living as if I were still nailed to the cross. Stop living as if I were still buried in the tomb. Might your greatest loss result in my greatest miracle that you have yet to see? Because let's face it, loss hurts us and it hurts our faith. But is there something that we have yet to see? And if the grave can't lock Jesus away, then why do I let me lock myself 
away like the disciples, right? In fact, Jesus would say, Jeff, start living as if I have been raised from the dead. Start living as if I have appeared to you. Start living as if I have sent you. In the words of Martin Luther, he said, live as though Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, coming back tomorrow. There is a story about Houdini, the famed magician who traveled all over the world. And when he came over to, um, to the United States, because he was so adept in escape, he was an escape artist, um, to promote the next entertainment, he would go from city to city and he would go immediately to the, um, the jail. And he would have the jailer go ahead and lock him in. And everybody, much to their delight, would watch and count and see how long it would take for uh, Houdini to escape from the jail system, Right? And then that would just lead up to the big grandeur of the festivities of the night. And so through America, they would hear about Houdini's coming here and Houdini's coming here. And he broke out from this jail. He broke out from this jail. And then, and then we know that he's going to this jail because this is the city he's going to. And so uh, he go, the story was that he went to this one jail and he went in and stepped inside. And the jailer had thought, how can, I, how can I keep him from unlocking himself from this jail? So Houdini goes in, the jailer takes the key, and he leaves the key in the lock. But Houdini must escape from the jail. So Houdini goes ahead and takes the lock, and he clicks it to open it. It doesn't open. Clicks it back and clicks it back. Then he starts messing with the lock. He starts messing with the lock. He's looking at the lock. He's looking at all the way around. What other methods could he escape? This went on and on and on, much to the delight of the jailer and much to the delight of the people. And they were like, what? is he going to break out or is he not going to break out? And finally he gave up and was like, this is the first jail I've not been able to break out of. <laughs> what was the secret? And the jailer came and said, you were never locked in the first place. Because when the jailer put the key in, he unlocked it. And every time Houdini tried to get out, he was constantly locking himself in. <laughs> right? I think about that story as it relates to our faith, because how oftentimes do we feel as though, how oftentimes do we feel as though we are locked in? Right? In fact, what God wants to do in our lives is he wants to do what you would never expect and what you will never forget. Right? He wants to do in your lives what you would never expect and would never forget. I mean, take a look at the disciples. They never expected to Jesus rise from the dead. They never expected a dead corpse to come and appear. to. They never expected him to walk through those front doors. They never expected his peace. They never expected him to send them anywhere. And yet, somehow, we're still talking about this today. They never forgot that. They wrote it all down so that we could know that they had seen the Lord, right? To affect our faith. The problem is the devil wants to convince us that Jesus can't and he won't. That's the problem. He has no power to lock the jail. He has no power to lock the prison. But how oftentimes do we step in and we end up being in a prison cell and we have complete freedom to just walk out? But because of the facts and the opinions and, and, and the science and all that's surrounding us, we feel trapped on this side of doubt. You see? When in reality, if we were to transition out from a if-then faith into 
an even though faith, right? <laughs> even though something happens to my family, even though something might happen in my future, even though something might happen to my money, even though something might happen to my health, or my home, or my job, or my politics, whatever it is I want, the even though faith says, I still believe, right? I still believe. The text continues. It says this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. You see, doubt dealt with delivers from disbelief. Doubt dealt with delivers from disbelief. In fact, Jesus himself says in John chapter 8, he says, if you really are my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? Jesus shows up for the third encounter, right? Jesus shows up for the third encounter. He offers his presence again. He offers his power again. He offers his peace again. He offers his proof again. And he offers his patience because once again they're locked away. Even though they they know the truth, it hasn't sent them out to do what God has called them to do. Right? And yet the disciples have been struggling with this. We struggle with this ever since we've had faith. See, ever since the Gospels, they'd been journeying with Jesus over and over, one journey after another. You take a look at side glance at Mark chapter 4. We'll just run through Mark really quick. But Mark chapter 4, Jesus calms the storm out on the sea. And what does he say to his disciples? Like, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Do you not believe? Mark chapter 5. The, the synagogue ruler's daughter is about to die. He receives news while he's talking to Jesus that he, she has just passed away. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And yet Jesus says, why, why are you so afraid? Just believe, right? Mark chapter 6, Jesus is walking on the water. Out to the disciples who are absolutely terrified, thinking that he's a ghost. And Jesus says, take, take, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid, right? Mark chapter 8, where Jesus says, you have eyes but fail to see? You have ears but fail to hear? Do you not remember? Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Where the, the, the father's son is demon-possessed, right? And he comes to Jesus on his knees and says, if, if, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if, if, if I can do anything, everything is possible for him who believes. We struggle with this. Doubt. And trust, if, then, even though. You see it in the life of Thomas. You see it in the life of the disciples. You see it in the life of Mary. I have seen the Lord. <laughs> disciples, we saw him die. Jesus appears to the disciples. We have seen the Lord. Thomas, <laughs> I saw him die. Right? The, unless I see the nail marks, unless I put my finger in his hands where the holes are, unless I put my hands in his side, I will not, I will not believe. 
We all have certain things in our lives that I, I can believe only up to this point. If this happens, I just won't believe. If that happens, unless I... In fact, in fact, what we believe in... I, if, I could be wrong, but inside of us all, this is the way we were trained as humans as in the education system, is that we believe in science, right? I hear that all the time on the news feeds. Science says this. And I'm not saying anything bad about science, but we tend to put more faith in science than we do. Let's try it. Let's just keep going. We believe in science. We believe in sense. We believe in our senses, and we believe in our experiences. Is that not true? Right? Before I sit down on the chair, if I'm not worried that this is going to hold me, I look at it, I hold it. We do that buying cars. We do that buying homes. We, we inspect everything. Just like Thomas wants to inspect, is Jesus for real? Is this for real? Yeah, we'll see if this is going to, we'll see if this is going to work. We believe in science. We believe in our senses. We believe in sense and we believe in our experiences. And somehow Jesus says, <laughs> I'm greater than science. greater than your sense. I'm greater than your senses, and I'm greater than your experiences. Because where science says, he can't. God says, I can. When our senses say, it's not going to work, God says, I can. When sound sense says, it's not going to happen, and God says, it can. When all of my experiences and all of our experiences, not going to work, not going to work. God says, I can. And to which Thomas says in that moment, my Lord and my God. He went from here to here. To which Jesus replies, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have yet to see. And he says to you, as he said to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Because what he wants to do in you is something that you will never expect and you will never forget. There's a story about this... uh, tightrope walker over in Europe turn of the 19th century and, uh, and he had been making news all over Europe because of his aerial feats the distance that he would travel the heights at which he would travel he even got to a point where he was <laughs> using a wheelbarrow Well, there was a promoter stateside who heard about this, and he was super excited. And he says, I'm going to write him a letter, and I'm going to invite him to come and do his aerial feats here over Niagara Falls. So he writes this letter, and he, he finishes the challenge with this, and he says, I would love for you to come and show what you can do on the aerial feats of tightroping here in America, but I would need to let you know that I just don't believe that you can do it. To which the tightroper replied, I'm coming your way, right? 
And so the big day was set. The promoter was promoting in Canada and also in the United States. And, and there was just throngs of crowds and throngs of crowds and so many people showing up because they wanted to see, I mean, is this guy legit? Is this really going to happen? And, and they have the rope stretched. I don't know if you know, um, you know, the, the, the um, Niagara Falls can range anywhere from 2,590 feet across down to 1,500 feet across. And it's 167 feet at the highest point. And so they, they have the rope stretched and he goes out there and he's got his wheelbarrow. He's got his wheelbarrow and, and he takes the first step. And by the way, he says, you know what? I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and go blindfolded. And he takes the first step and everybody's like, oh my gosh. He starts in Canada and everybody on the American side is, you know, and the drums are rolling and, and the people are cheering. And then as soon as he takes that first step, everything goes quiet, right? He's got a long distance to go and a long fall to fall. He takes the first step, he takes the second step, and he's in. He's committed. He's not turning back. And he just takes one step with that wheelbarrow, takes the next step, blindfolded, takes the next step, takes the next step, takes the next step, and everybody's hushed. They're quiet. He's a third of the way there. He's a halfway there. <laughs> two-thirds. We can almost feel it. Like this could also, this could almost be a reality. He might actually get all the way over to the United States. 100 yards. 100 feet. Oh. Five steps. And he pushes that wheelbarrow onto American soil. And the crowds go wild. They erupt. They're so excited. And the promoter is just, you know, his, he's just slack-jawed. He cannot believe that that feat was just accomplished. And he runs up to him and is like, I am so elated. I cannot believe you. And the tightroper looks back at him and says, I did it. Well, I, I just saw you did it. Do you believe now that I could do it? Oh, yeah, I, I believe that you could do it. I just saw you do it. The second time he says, do you really believe that I can do that? And the promoter says, I just saw you do it. I mean, you, that was incredible. Nobody else believed that you could do it either, but we now know that you could actually do that. To which the tightrope were asked the third time, do you really, really, really believe that I can go across Niagara Falls blindfolded with a wheelbarrow? I've told you so many times, I now believe. You know what the tightrope says? Then get in. <laughs> and we'll go back to the other side. <sighs> this morning, I finish because I take this wheelbarrow and I say, who here? What part of our heart struggles to get in? Because we struggle to believe and we just run this thing right off in front of the stage. And the invitation for you and for me is get in. What part of your heart, what part of your faith is still in the unless I see, inspect, or feel and he says, you just got to get in. Because what I want to do in you is what you will never expect, but what you will never forget. Let's pray.
God, I just thank you for how good you are. How you show your power and how patient you are with our unbelief. May we be reminded of all the different ways that you have appeared to us, you have moved in our lives, and most importantly, the fact that you have risen from the grave. Give us the courage and the faith to get in where nobody else will go. To travel with you where nobody else wants to go. And would you just do in our lives what we would never expect and what we will never forget. We pray this in your name.